The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Welcome to another installment of Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. I am by myself at the moment. I believe Kwame will be calling in shortly got a lot to talk about on this thursday phoenix arizona uh hopefully um everybody in the east is trying to stay warm as as well as they could i looked on the news this morning and it was just awful it's only going to get worse so um hopefully there'll be a break before super bowl a week from sunday Uh, if not it's going to be one for the ages and uh it'll i would assume make the front office look at what they're doing with putting a Super Bowl in cold weather. I, I understand the novelty of it being normally in Arizona or, or, or Miami, but, I mean, there's a reason for that. It's So you can get the full enjoyment uh, out of the game and out of the circus that's around it for the fans and, and players alike. So it'll be interesting. If, if it doesn't burn off more, as much as people think it's going to, they're projecting that it's going to be around, it's going to be in the mid-30s uh, during the day on Super Bowl Sunday, but the game doesn't start till six o'clock or thereabouts. I believe it's six, so uh, kickoff will probably be six twenty or something like that. So it's going to be cold. It's going to be really cold. And if you're spending, you know, two point six million dollars for tickets or whatever people spend now due to inflation and and everything, it's you might want to bundle up because it's going it, to. I understand it will add to the experience and it'll. It'll, it'll make you feel like you're really there. And I mean, I I understand obviously because you will be, but. Um, I don't know. I think that it'll uh, it'll make Roger Goodell and and his and his posse kind of rethink putting a Super Bowl in cold weather uh, again. And I understand that this is this is a year for the ages when it comes to weather with the winter and everything and and and, and the Arctic vortex and all these things. So this is not a normal winter, but um, I mean maybe it will be with global warming and everything. I don't know enough about that to touch on it, so uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, really quickly. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to uh, rescind something that I said. I'm going to apologize to Richard Sherman for how I how I immediately reacted to his outburst because I went back and I listened to a couple tapes from from shows and previously, and this is what I had wanted people to do in post game interviews. And I, I listened about Tiger Woods because I would always rip on Tiger for being a robot in, in post round interviews and everything saying exactly the same thing. If you win a tournament as if you shoot a, an 80, he, he was very, very general, very average, um, showing no emotion. So I take back what I said about Richard Sherman and I, and I watched his interview many times, both the press conference that he had uh, yesterday, I believe. And the initial, the initial interview that Aaron Andrews had with him right after the game ended. And and I have to applaud him for what he did, especially with all the aftermath and all the backlash that he got for it, sticking to his guns, standing with his roots and, 
and saying, well, this is me. I mean, I don't know what you guys want from me. I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't make me a thug. That's a word he used that he really doesn't like in, uh, in society today. I think he said that, uh, I think he said something to the effect that that's just, uh, an okay way to say the N word now. And, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go to that stretch, but I, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I just think that it's interesting how mature he's been afterwards and how he's not just, now he, how he didn't just profusely apologize and, you know, to say, t- to make it PC, to make it, uh, to make the media love him again. And, and I applaud him for that. So I do take back what I said. And I, I think there needs to be more passion like that. In post game interviews, especially because that's what we're talking about. Kwame on the line. Kwame, do you um? You, I understand that you didn't want him to apologize after, because uh, you, you know you say something and you stick to it, and and that's that's kind of how you roll and how you've how you've always spoken of things like this. But do you think that the way he apologized, it was more of just an explanation than an apology? It's like I'm sorry if you took it that way, but this is why I did it, and 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 this is this is who I am, things like that. So, do you kind of have a different? different viewpoint on his quote-unquote apology now after seeing his, his most recent press conference? No, not at all. I, I have the same uh, same opinion about him uh, that I had before. I was, there was no reason a camera should have been in his face immediately after the game. You, and, and most people, and I did say this on the show last week, half of the world would never understand the things he had to go through or went through or what it feels like to be emotionally high and a football game, and that was just, a, and, that, and that was an NFC Championship game. <clears throat> I don't think the camera should have been in face. There's a reason why the media is not letting us tell our locker rooms 15, 20 minutes after a football game because it gives us time to calm down and rethink, or the coach maybe say a word or two uh, to let us know <clears throat> to you know how to respond or or be more be more uh, into what you're saying to the media. Um, no, I, I still feel the same way. I still don't think he should have went up to Crabtree. You did your job. He did an excellent job at it. He was the, he's part of the reason why that defense is number one in the league all year long. So, no, I, I, I think he's an outstanding talent. I think he is who he is, and that I can appreciate it. I hate people that hide behind what somebody else wants them to be, and they're never fooling themselves. So if he was to come out and say, I don't care what you think about me, people would even bash him even more because they want him to care about your opinion or how your thoughts and how you feel about him. So if he was to say that, um, it would be even more backlash. I think Richard Sherman is who he is. Richard Sherman uh, can't come from a place most of us don't come from, and he was able to succeed. And I'm not saying just the confidence of Stanford. Uh, that's been done plenty of times at different places. They don't have to be comfort, but it could have been, it could have been another place, another location, another somewhere else in the world to success. Uh, and good for him, and good for his parents, and good for his friends that was in that life that kept him out of that life. That happens all across the board in the National Football League. Richard Sherman is who it is, and you don't understand. If you don't get to know him, you never understand him. That's kind of how I felt about Christian Ponder. I'm like, damn, why do I not like this guy or football? But I was critiquing him on his football ability and his team, and I always expect those guys to be a lot better, but I'm not in the locker room, I'm not in the huddle. Then I'm out... Tuesday, I'm out catching balls with the guy and find out he's a great guy, and that is how it changed my how you think about guys or talk about guys. It, it, it just it's unfortunate because we never get to meet the guys that we get to talk about. We only look, we only judge them or prejudge them from the outside looking in. Well, yeah, we never had that conversation with those guys, and that, and that's bothersome. And and to the um, 
the thugs, see, you never have to go through, Alex, you never have to go through someone saying the N-word and the thug word, but you got to understand why they changed it to the N-word. And also, um, and I, this is not, I know we own our sports show, but this came up in a press conference. Well, you had to change uh, certain homosexual words so it didn't become a hate crime. See, you changed the N-word to what it to the N-word from what it was, from what it is, then it's not longer a hate uh-huh. crime. People can use it at will. But now it, it's moved on over to a thug. Now, who do most of society call thugs? And, and I, I see his point, and I understand it, and I've always known that once that transition was starting to take place. But see, you never have to go through that or never. That's not, I don't believe that's the person you are. Uh, to even sit around and think about something like that. <clears throat> but it does happen, and he does have a point, and it, it's not like he just, man, this is his own opinion. This is what, this is what's happening or what's uh, going on right now with these type of words and slanders and how we prejudge and, and, and talk about people we don't like that we really don't know. So I think Richard Sherman is who he is and got a point to it. I think he's, he has a method to his madness, and it'll come out. We just don't understand the guy. I don't think he, I just hope, he don't stop being who he is and then not be the athlete he is on the field because he's trying to please someone else who cannot do half of the stuff he does on a football field. Right, but I mean that's <laughs> that that part has to do with we as media people or fans or anybody that watches sports we have a very small sample size on how to judge people. Everybody judges everybody. It's innate. Right. I mean, people that say they don't judge people, they're full of, full of baloney. Um, with with him again, you only have what you see on the field and antics on the field and stellar play or poor play. It's somebody that plays badly. You think, Oh, they don't work hard enough. You know, I mean, there's very, very little room for, for wiggling with, with our judging of people because especially sports people, because all eyes are on them and this is the only thing we have to gauge it with. And the thing with him and I will say he was very eloquent in everything that he said. And you say, and, and you shared that sentiment. I mean, I, I understand that the thing, that came out, I believe, last night was uh, that the NFL films caught uh, the the field mics and saw when Richard Sherman went up to Michael Crabtree, he said, "Hell of a game, hell of a game," and he shut and he stuck his hand out. So Michael Crabtree pushed him in the face, unprovoked. I mean, maybe Richard Sherman should have left him alone, but I mean, that's not Richard Sherman. That's not Michael Crabtree. They have history, and I think that him doing that made it even more so that. It fueled his fire even more to just rip Crabtree right after the right after the game ended. He, he's, right. try, he's trying. He's trying. He's trying to shake his hand. Listen, emotions. Think about the high emotions that Richard Sherman was on, and think about the high emotions that uh, or low emotions to that same extreme that Richard Cra- that um, Crabtree was on. Uh, think about that. Um, and both of those guys felt a certain way, and both of those emotions were high. They were high on opposite ends, uh-huh. and I thought it was a, um, I thought it was not a professional way to really go up to him because you know we have ways to reach. Not to cut you off, I apologize. We have ways to reach another athlete if we want to. I could call any athlete in the league and, and send an apology, um, but they did have some history, according to the media. I don't know this for a fact. According to maybe what Richard Sherman said, they did have some history. The problem with that is they let it go. On, they let it go off the field. Or they bought it on the field. You got to be able to separate the two. That's, this is how guys, professional, or anybody at a high level, uh, just not professional. This is how you get in trouble a lot. As you take those emotions off the field and you carry them on to wherever you're going, you may carry it on to the house, and then you find guys who got who can't transcend or can't 
shut the football field aggressiveness off because then they go home and it's a whole other atmosphere. No. And you can't shut it off. Absolutely. So you just think about the high emotion both of those guys were on. I still don't believe he should have went up to him or maybe he should have calmed down because you saw his press interview. It was more calm, more intellectual uh, than it would be on a game with those high emotion two seconds after he's made a huge play in a football game. Yeah, I mean, and it, it even goes to, like, you know, your bigger brother beats you in basketball and he comes, tries to give you a high five, say good game, you you smack him in the face. You don't want to see anything. So if people that, that kind of don't like each other, I mean, there's always mutual respect. The NFL is a brotherhood, and, and you've you've taught me to understand that. And I, you know, rivals are only rivals on the field only when they're playing each other. I mean, it's everybody understands the trenches that they're all in, you know, uh, uh, trying to keep from getting injured, trying to win games, trying to play your utmost potential. So just doing that with, with guys that don't really like each other to begin with, obviously um, obviously fireworks will go off. We, we have to take a break. On the other side, I went to the Suns game. I want to talk about the Suns game last night. I saw some things that I didn't really see while I would, while I would be watching them on TV. Um, and uh, you know what? I'm, I'm really interested, intrigued by the Phoenix Suns and their direction. So we'll talk about that on the, on the other side of the break. Kwame Lasser on the line, Alex Clancy in studio. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio, Voice America Radio. Just finished talking about a little Richard Sherman. I hope we don't have to talk about any more of that. It was a very interesting storyline after the game last week between San Francisco and Seattle. Michael Crabtree, Richard Sherman, um... Kwame is a huge uh, proponent of saying that you don't stick a mic in somebody's face right after the right after the game ends, especially after making the game winning play. Um, I'm not necessarily sure I agree with that, but Rich, he did definitely smooth things out. He through explanation, not through apologies. 
profuse apologies would have been annoying. It would have meant that you know you you weren't the per- you're not the person on the field that that you are off the field. Even though you know everybody has a certain amount of that uh, that goes both ways. But more times than not, the super turbo testosterone charge that you are in the field, you don't necessarily 100% translate into your off the field life. So Richard Sherman just explained that, and uh, and everybody just kind of saw his side, which was which was pretty cool. Um, I I did go to the Suns game last night. Indiana Pacers were in the house. Got good seats from Francis for uh, for Christmas. Went with the girlfriend, and uh, you know I saw something that I wasn't. I, uh, Suns beat them one twenty four one hundred. I thought this game uh, would have been flip flop score wise when I went in the building. Um, but one thing that I learned right off the bat was that Jeff Hornacek has made this offense very fluid. Uh, there's a lot of one on one play, which is which is the NBA as a whole. I understand that there aren't uh, these guys aren't one-on-one players. I, Gerald Green is can jump, he can shoot. Uh, he doesn't really have the mid-range game. Uh, he's been in the league for a while, and I'm sure that that's kind of the last thing that people learn with his skill set towards the end of their career. But I was really surprised with the efficiency and the fluidity of the offense. Uh, Miles Plumley sets great picks. Channing Fry sets you know average to above-average picks. He's a pick-and-pop guy. Um, Gordon Drogic, he only played 22 minutes last night. Eight for ten, twenty-one points, three dimes. Uh, he, you can see the confidence the, that he has now that he didn't have during his first stint as a son. Obviously, going to Houston and, and running the point there for a while was uh, was very beneficial for him. But they look like the team. They really like each other. They're young, they're athletic, and they really have nothing to lose. Uh, they're twenty-four and seventeen. I, I, I think that puts them at seventh in the Western Conference which is kind of upsetting because they would be probably third in the Eastern Conference, if not higher. Uh, but, you know, they've they've gone leaps and bounds past what people expected of them this year. Even with Eric Bledsoe out, he has a totally different dynamic. Um, overall, having the best team in the NBA come into your house and you put this whooping on them uh, was really, really impressive. After the first quarter, they just kind of took off. And Indiana didn't play poorly. They shot over 50% for the field. Paul George has had his numbers. Uh, they don't really have a point guard, which I think that at some point will become detrimental to them. George Hill is not a point guard. Uh, he's one of the most overrated players in the NBA, in my opinion. He came from he came from San Antonio. He was one of Greg Popovich's favorite players. So that was part of the allure for him going to Indiana, running the show. But Paul George is the most important person on this team. Obviously, he's probably either first or second in the in the MVP ballot, and will be at the end of the year as well, barring injury. And what I saw last night was that Phoenix was faster, more athletic, and just quicker as a team. And I think that starts in the playoff, uh, the uh, point guard position for Indiana. Uh, they play kind of a boring style of basketball. They always have. Uh, with Reggie Miller there, I understand that you know the jump shot became part of an integral part of the of the offense. And I mean, I, I get that it's it's East Coast basketball, it's Midwest basketball, it's very methodical, very uh, half court offense. You're not really running and gunning, which is what Phoenix has been known for ever since Steve Nash came back after being drafted here. He came back from Dallas. So overall, I was very very impressed. Uh, they're going. They're playing four road games in five nights, I believe, starting tomorrow. And the fourth game, they're playing Indiana in Indiana. So for Phoenix, that'll be a real barometer tester of uh, of where they are. Because the, with the All Star break coming up, after the All Star break, that's when the strong teams turn on the afterburners. That's when they start 
actually caring and, and putting putting 100% effort in and, instead of just trying to keep from injury, trying to stay in games and win them late. That's when the real teams will surface. And that's when, you know, that's when we'll really see what Phoenix is all about. And if they're anything like they were last night, I'm, they'll, they'll be a force we reckon with for years to come. They're, they're one step away. They need one star to come in here, preferably a low post guy, to come in here, finish his career here, and, and allow Phoenix to become relevant for, for, you know, the next 10 years. Kwame, what do you think? I mean, I, I know you catch Phoenix games. I know you go to some of them. What do you think with, with what it's like from Steve Nash, pre- the Steve Nash era to the post-Steve Nash era, this is the most excitement I've seen in, in my four years here in, in Phoenix. Oh, I think uh, a lot of people had to get over the fact that Steve Nash went to the Lakers, just like a lot of people still can't get over the fact that Kurt Warner is not the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> you have to get over that. And I think Jeff Hornacek did a great job of changing the uh, complexity, the mindset of that team. Uh, getting these guys, uh, getting them to understand that this is what it is right here. This is your team. You find a way to win. Um, it's it's kind of like the uh, mentality of a professional athlete. If you make them feel like they can run through a wall and come out on the other end, well, they're going to try to run through that wall. Phoenix Suns playing well. They beat the Indiana Pacers last night. <clears throat> they beat that team who's the best defensive team in the league. It's not like the Indiana Pacers was doing a back-to-back. Indiana Pacers had the night off before that game, prior to that game. So, they could have. They've gotten their rest. What they did on their day off <clears throat> was on them. But the Phoenix Suns came to play, and I was just at the Phoenix Suns watching them play the uh, Denver Nuggets uh, the game before that, and they played well. And they still missing the key component of their guard position, uh, who's on injury reserve, who's on injury right now. But with the uh, with the addition of Barbosa, who they have to find a way to sign somehow because he's on his second ten day contract, and you can't go past a, a, a two. Uh, a two ten day contract without signing the guys. He has to be signed. He's a great addition. Uh, whether he's coming off the bench or starting, he plays basketball. You talk about a one on one game. He has a one on one street game that he plays at a, play at a high level with. The Phoenix Suns are getting better in the sense that the mindset has changed. Uh, Steve Nash is not here. Same with the Cardinals. Trent Warner's not here. Uh, you got to be able to move on. You got the right coach in place. He didn't try to change those guys. He took what they did best. And, and let them go out there and play that way. So that's that's what I see as far as the Phoenix Suns, as far as the All-Star break. Some of the best teams come out to play after the All-Star break. That's why they, a lot of those All-Stars rest themselves. They don't go to the game. They don't go to play, but they might show up at the game. A lot of them come out to play. I think this gives the Phoenix Suns a, a high motivational to go out there and compete with these teams. If you can beat the number one team uh, in the Indiana Pacers, uh, you can you can find a way to beat those other teams who are lesser caliber, and but you have to do it on a consistent basis to even stay in that. I don't want to talk about the eighth seed. Let's talk about them moving up to the fifth seed somewhere in the West. The Phoenix Suns will be a contender. They are a contender in the West right now. There's a lot of teams in the West that's uh, that's more talented. A lot of teams in the West that have better records, but the Phoenix Suns will be right there when it all comes down to playoffs. Yeah, and and it'll be interesting to see how they how they cultivate Alex Len this year. If because he started he started the year on the uh, on the injured list, and uh, he's big. You can't teach height, and he's got he's got a nice touch around the rim. Again, he's a good pick setter, which is very overrated in in, in the NBA. Um, very underrated, I should say, uh, underrated statistic in the NBA. Uh, I I mean, they're what they're two games out in the loss column of the four seed. In, in the West. And with the Clippers uh, starting to drag because Chris Paul's out, he misses six weeks every year. Uh, 
And Houston just teams. There's a lot of mediocrity in the West, but because there's so many bad teams in the NBA, their records are better than than their team is. Um, I do think as a whole, they look uh, they look good, and it's exciting. And Eric Bledsoe, uh, they're hoping he'll be back this year. Uh, we're hoping that this is not going to be an, an ongoing issue because he's he's young, you know. And and if you get injuries early, hopefully they won't. They won't linger for the, for your whole career because he's a freakish talent. You know he can jump through the roof. He's got good eyes for a point guard. He's he's kind of a combo guard because he can shoot the rock. Um, I wish he would have stayed another year in college, but the 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 Suns wouldn't have got him if if he would have stayed one more year in college. So, um, as a whole, the West is difficult comparatively speaking to the East. But if they still continue to play this brand of basketball. They need to be able to shoot the ball well because that's a focal point of their offense is shooting the three ball. Um, yeah, you know, they could make a run. Who knows? Who knows Who knows what a, happens? The Stars would be a three seed if they were in the East. But I'll tell you, the East is more – the East is – there's two teams in the East that the Suns would not make it out that series, and that's the Miami Heat and the Indiana Pacers because they have to go there to play those guys. Um, I think they have a better chance in the West, maybe getting into their fourth seed um, – Getting out that first round, and then everything else will take care of itself. I like I like what Hornets said, the direction these guys are going. Um, it'll be great to get somebody out to draft, or maybe through free agency with that experience that can run the show. They come in and, and buy into the mentality of where Hornets has those team has his team going. But you have to uh, have that star player or that key player that fits into the puzzle, not coming out here being an individual where most teams have that. Yeah, and and yeah, this I hope that I just hope this isn't fool's gold. I mean, Jeff Hornacek, in my opinion, and obviously we're jaded here in in uh in Phoenix. We're biased, but I, I mean, I think he should win Coach of the Year. If, if it ended today, if the voting ended today, he would win Coach of the Year, in my opinion. I mean, he's just he's revitalized the city, and any you just need a pulse in Phoenix, and that'll bring people here. You know, Phoenix is a great place to play, um, and I just think that. Yeah, you're right. One more star, one something. Somebody, some veteran that can come and teach these guys, because there aren't many, there are little to no veterans on this team. So obviously down the stretch, they missed a lot of free throws last night, which I was kind of um, uh, kind of weary about, because you need to be able to make free throws. Goran Dragic isn't as good a free throw shooter as he should be. Gerald Green, for guys to get to the line, you need to be able to make your free throws. Um, having said that, I well, do, go ahead. With, with the um, with the way they plan, it'll be a lot easier to get veterans in here. A lot of guys don't want to come to the Suns because they don't feel like they have a chance to play for the national championship. That's what most professional athletes uh, get into the league for. But when they find out they can get paid, then they start playing for financial security. But when you have a chance to get that and a national championship and the Suns are playing well, um, as as we mentioned, on a second, his direction of the team, then you can, you can get those free agents coming in here and want to be a part of building and, and and being on top of the NF, being on top of the West. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we have to take a break. On the other side, I kind of want to talk a little Vince Young uh, filed for bankruptcy. Want to talk about USA basketball and maybe a little uh, Masahiro Takanaka talk. They just got signed uh, Tanaka talk. They got signed with uh, with the Yankees for a whole lot of money coming out of Japan. Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame Lasseter on the line. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back. Your 
alternate flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy all alone in the studio. It is cold in here. Gosh, it's always cold in here. Uh, Kwame on the line. We've run through NBA, uh, Richard Sherman, and unfortunately, I want to touch on this for a second. I can't understand and... And Kwame and I have talked about this. Players that come out of college, I feel like as part of your contract, you need to have a financial advisor either on the payroll or done pro bono through the NFL to be able to teach you how to save your money just in case you're not, you don't play football for the rest of your life. And Kwame, I mean, you, you, you shared that sentiment. You think that, I mean, it'd be great. Just take your first year salary, take, half of it and you can't touch it for three years like there has to be something in contracts now in the NFL and in in, in every professional sport to save these younger guys from ruining their future by spending all their money too fast yeah I mean mean, we hear uh, we hear all of these things happen and it's and Vince Young just just the point that I'm trying to make is Vince Young just filed chapter 11 bankruptcy and he filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, and this all stemmed from him uh, getting trying to get a 1.8 million dollar loan during the quote unquote lockout that was supposed to happen that never happened, and he still owes that money back. They're saying he's he has estimated assets between 500 thousand and a million, and liabilities between a million and 10 million. So he filed for bankruptcy, and this I just don't understand. First of all, I know you're going to say you don't understand how he doesn't have a job. Which I mean, it's not over yet. Maybe he will get a job. He's only thirty. Um, but so, what do you think? Do you think that this this will be every time another story comes out that another NFL player, especially one with with high of a level, is Vince Young and making all that money so early on that they'll need to 
they'll need to put this into place where you where you take some money and put it away in a little trust fund for these guys right when they come in the league? I train guys every year. Um, draft picks, defensive backs going into the uh, NFL, going into the that year's draft. And one of the things, obviously they have a skill set that puts them in front of me. It puts them in a program where they can come and work out. Uh, but one of the things I mainly talk about is putting their money away. Uh, and not a lot of people, and I tell them, not a lot of people going to tell them this because those some of the same people that wants to be around them and get what they can out of them while, while they're still making a uh, significant amount of money. But I tell them, put their money away. I'm a huge fan of your first-year salary deferring it for three years. If you got endorsements or if you got caliber of player and you get endorsements, and you can live off your endorsements. If you don't have an endorsement, then you put enough to live off for that year, but you defer the rest of it for a year, for uh, at least three years, so you have some money. Especially football being the most physical sport, and it's it's one play uh, at a time where you possibly can end your career. Uh, and that's not like with all sports, but the physicalness of football, uh, you only have that play, so it could end in a in an instant. Where what are you going to do when it ends? I also tell them to start preparing for life after football while you're in it and can do those things because most people know who you are while you're playing. A lot of them don't care who you are because it doesn't benefit them that you're not a current NFL player. But if you if you build the right bridges and you um, have the right connections and the right networks, those things will work out for you, whether you're playing a current player or an alumni player. Um, Vince Young filing for bankruptcy is not a huge deal. Uh, guys, businessmen do it all the time, uh, but they most of them are trying to protect their money or what money they have, so that's why they file for bankruptcy. But we've heard stories of Vince Jones barbecue restaurant. We've seen Vince Jones. He, did, he didn't help himself when we see him in the club with all his jewelry on and shirts off, and when he goes from a starter to not even having a job uh, in too, too quick of a time of his NFL career, uh, well, if he's filing for bankruptcy, it's the reason for it. It's, uh, it's either he needs the money or he don't have the money, or he's trying to protect what he has. I think the NFL's finally catching on to putting programs in place where these guys come out of college. It should be mandatory that you put half of your salary. If not, if you can't put all of it, depending on the caliber player and the kind of, kind of endorsements you have, putting it away so you have money at the end of the year. But again, it's having the right people around you. Financial advisors, if they're not teaching a bit, teaching you the business as they know it, then why would you want to put your money in somebody? Why would you want to give the keys to somebody or your bank account to somebody who's not willing to teach you the business of that? So you can't say unless you find the right financial advisor or putting the right people in your corner, it doesn't matter um, how you go about it or what kind of money you have. You got to make sure the people you around you you trust. Right. And you got to be put that money away, put it aside. So there's life after football for you. Absolutely. And and the way to make sure that that happens and there's no shady business happening, happening is you have the, you do it through the NFL. So you know who's at fault if these guys are shady, and obviously they wouldn't be if they were hired. Well, there's a better chance they wouldn't be if they were hired by Roger Goodell or, or whoever the commissioner is at that point. A lot of money goes away because of you're right because of faulty investments, people trying to to defraud or pretty much steal money from these players because you know obviously financial advisors know more money know about this know about things like this and investments more than the players do so they trust people around them as you said and sometimes it bites them in in the behind and if you have it through the NFL 
the chance of it going poorly for them is slim to none. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, it's obviously, it takes a lot of the risk out of it. You put it into a bank account, a fund, something, and you add a little bit more to it every year. Maybe just have it being, get taken out of their paycheck if they sign up for it. Or you can have it, like in Arizona, like in Arizona you can choose uh, what percentage of taxes you want taken out of your initial paycheck. And players can choose what they want, and all of the money can go right to this fund that they won't be able to touch until the end of their rookie contract. And then you'll have to re-up when you get another contract, something like that. There's a way around this, and I think the NFL and the NBA and the major leagues are doing these players a disservice by not giving them, by not like making it a, a clause in their contract to make this happen. Because obviously, if it were me, I'd want all my money. You know, because I, um, I think I'm at the, the top NFL, of my game, they, so... They're trying to be seen doing the most. And I, I, like I mentioned, they are trying to take that extra step to getting these guys. I agree with one thing, one of these, one of the things you said. I think the NFL should have a pool of investors or not, not so much investors because now you're putting somebody's money at risk, but financial advisors where you can put that money away where it grows safely or depending on the player, how, how do you want it to grow? You don't have, sometimes you have these guys that make transactions because they get paid after each transaction they make. So you don't want to have that. But if that pool comes up the NFL, um, then it'd be more, it'd be more, a safer way to protect your money. But the NFL also has the four hundred one k where a lot of us getting money when we turn a certain age. You, know, you could take it out without penalty. But that information has to be uh, explained to these guys. So they think they're gonna live forever because these young guys are Superman. And li- and if you look at them, they are. Look at the things they're doing now with the uh, talent they have, and not just football, all sports. Look at the young guys that's coming out now. And they're sixteen years old. They're standing six five. It's a different ball game. They think they're Superman, but when you can pull them to the side, when you can pull these guys to the side and say, one day you're not going to be able to play this game, what are you going to be able to do? What do you want to do? Then they'll, they'll realize, well, i got to put money away to do this because people care about the logo of the NFL. Other businesses care about putting that, attaching that to what they're doing so it makes their business look more profitable or they can get a profit from it. But they don't care. They could care less. If you're not playing anymore, I've seen guys open up business that were good guys in the NFL that nobody was willing to help them because they didn't play. It didn't benefit a business or company to uh, help them out because the logo meant nothing. But you do have some good guys that after playing in the NFL, like I said, who build bridges, who can still talk to most of the people in the community and get things done. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and even in, I mean, it's not like it's the 70s or the 80s where there's no media, there's no TV programs about this. This is being thrown in people's faces. I mean, seemingly once a month, another big name that used to play in a professional sport goes down for bankruptcy or is broke or, you know, all these things. That TV show, I don't know if it was a 30 for 30, but it was the special on ESPN with uh, the show Broke. Like, all these things, these players have watched this stuff before. Well, like, this, so, this is not... When you talk about the thirty thirty for show, um, glad you brought it up in, in this case. That show was more for TV because the guy who was the guy who put the show on was the same guy taking money from those players. Uh, you could talk. You in the office right now. You in the studio right now. You can go to Ray Ellis' office right now and talk to him about the thirty thirty, and he'll tell you everything about it. Because one of the some of the guys up there he knew and played with, and those the same guys that was, if you will, embezzling, embezzling money. From other athletes, and then do you show that they broke? A lot of those guys are not broke, and it, they broke in the sense that they're not making millions of dollars anymore. They're okay, they're not getting uh, thirty-five thousand dollars a week checks anymore. 
uh, and that's broken. That's from the outside looking in. Well, you play football, you should be making money. There's only a handful of guys up there that's making some legitimate money in the National Football League. Now, not to say that the low, the lowest guy on the toilet pole is not making money because he could. Let's say worst case scenario is two hundred and or three hundred fifty thousand. It's two hundred seventy nine thousand. But you can live off that if you put it away. Right. If you just put that money away, you can live off those things. Uh, but don't be misconstrued about everyone's making millions of dollars in the National Football League. You guys play for ten years, and they might total up to a million and a half after 10 years because all he did was run down a special team. And they might be a good serviceable guy because you don't have to really pay them, but they are in the league for 10 years. At some point, you got to pay them a significant amount. Uh, but don't think these guys are making – all these guys are making millions. Not you, just the general public who think, well, you play in the league, you should be making millions. When I first came to the league, I was making 115000 I didn't start making money until my fourth year in the National Football League. Yeah, and that's over the average of how long people normally play in the NFL, right? Isn't it three and a half? I mean, it'll probably dip down after that. I mean, the longer it's played, the the shorter it'll be. I mean, so three and a half was the average, I think, two years ago. So, yeah, well, well, about um, 2.833 Jesus. years in football It's like league. nothing. It's nothing. You gotta, so you have to get to your – when you really, you really make your money in the second and third contracts. The third contract means you're set, Right. If you make your money, depending on who you are and what it depends on who you are to position. When they franchised me, I was playing corner uh, most of the games, but they franchised me as a safety, so they didn't have to pay me as much as the top five right, in the league. Right, and and, and it's, it becomes that's that's when the politics and the business come into play. You make your contract um, probably if you're lucky, you can get it that second one because they want to keep you around. If you're young enough and get to that third one. That's when you hit them for a lick right then. That's when you really you really get paid. It's kind of like the, the point guard for the Suns. He is injured, but why would he rush himself back when this is a contract year for him? And then we can talk about him, well, he's not in it for the team. But he is in it for the team. He's probably a guy that the Phoenix Suns would want to sign. It is a contract year for him, but it, it's his final contract where he will be able to get a huge deal. So it's usually around that, if you're lucky enough, that second one, if you can hang around and get that third one, which will be your final one, you can get a, a maximum amount of what you deserve as far as playing a professional sport. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, we'll talk about this, you know, and good, because I, I wanted to bring this up, and I'm glad we're going to segue into it. I want to talk about Jimmy Graham on the other side of the break. We have about two minutes till break. I want to talk about Jimmy Graham and why the hell the Saints aren't throwing everything they can to keep this guy. Drew Brees already said that they would restructure the deal, that he would restructure his deal like Tom Brady did, which means... Everything's going to be guaranteed, so there's no real fluff or anything. Um, and and it, they still haven't gotten a deal done. And they're trying to get him as a tight end and not a wide receiver because they can pay him less. So it's interesting you say that, even though with with that one, and I don't know if the rules have changed, Kwame, but like I, I believe that Jimmy Graham has probably lined up for more plays on the offensive side of the football as a wide receiver than as a tight end. So well, I'm he's not lined sure. Up as an F back, and that F is in that slot. So it looks like a receiver, but he is a tight end that they flex out. Right. Even so, so 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 that's so that's offensive scheme. That's not that's not actually him lining up as a wide receiver. That's a way that they're going to be able to save probably fifteen million dollars. Yeah, that, and that's that's what they're going to do. They're going to say you're a tight end on paper. You're listed as a tight end. You're labeled as a tight end. Uh, we flex you out as far as the offensive scheme because we can create mismatches. But if you can do that, then you can pay him accordingly. So. You can. He should be the highest tight end that ever played. Paid tight end that ever played the game. I don't care if a receiver or tight end, but don't don't short him about fifteen million because 
you want to label him as a tight end. He's a he's a great asset to your team. He's a secure package for Drew Brees. He's the, he's the guy you go to in the end zone. If you want to pay him, somebody else will guarantee pay him as a receiver. Yeah. Oh no. Absolutely. And and that's funny. That'll be that'd be an interesting move. There's no way that they're gonna let him go. I, in my opinion, you can't. You can't. Yeah, he you might be the best. He might be the best receiver in the NFL, or the best tight end. You don't mess with the mental or the psyche of a, of a guy like uh, a guy that shouldn't have to come up to his contract, who's who's led to leading touchdowns in a red zone. You don't you don't let him come up to this contract. I know it's a, it's probably uh, the agent and the and the GM going over the numbers, and they probably off about five million or so uh, from year to year. But you don't let that come up to contract because now a guy like Jimmy Graham would want to leave. He could go to a team that passes the ball to the tight end. He could go play for uh, the San Diego Chargers and Phillip Rivers where Antonio Gates is getting taking a step back a little bit. Still serviceable guy in Antonio Gates, but Jimmy Graham is a different ball game. He's a different breed uh, when the, when the uh, ball is kicked off. But you don't let a guy like that come up to his contract. You go ahead and sign him because he's serviceable. He helps your offense in the red zone. No one can cover him. But you go out there and let him get to his free agency, then it could be a problem. That's fair. We got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to continue this. Uh, I'm I'm really intrigued about this Jimmy Graham story because uh, the Saints and Drew Brees almost didn't come come to a deal, and then lo and behold, they get seven hundred million dollars over five years. Alex Clancy in studio, Kwame Lasser on the line, Voice America Radio, Kwame Lasser Sports Talk. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. He'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame Lasseter on the line. We've been talking to Jimmy Graham. I want a sexy voice. That's a sexy voice segment. You don't get it. You got to come into the studio for the sexy voice segment. 
<laughs> and I and I got the sexy voice just innate. So, anyways, um, anyways, uh, Jimmy Graham still not signed by the Saints. Um, and and you were right. It's between a four and five million dollar discrepancy between franchise tagging him as a tight end and as a wide receiver. For those who don't know, franchise tag is it, I think top three. Uh, you get an average of the top three salaries from that position around the league. And obviously wide receivers get paid more than tight ends, especially because many tight ends are uh, afterthoughts. And now um, now because the, the prevalency of athletic tight ends is becoming more and more apparent around the league, they deserve more money. I mean, Gronkowski got a six-year, $54 million extension, I believe last year, the summer of last year, or, or, or 2012. Um, so that's probably where Jimmy Graham is going to want. I mean, do you think that he'd be able to get $60 million from the Saints? Obviously, the, the, they have deep pockets. They gave Drew Brees a whole bunch of money. I understood he's a, he's, he is New Orleans sports. I understand that. Um, but do you think that he deserves 70 mil, 65 mil when he's on the injury report every week? He's on the injury report. There's a lot of guys. Uh, there's a lot of guys on the injury report. They do that because the first thing they do after game Sunday is report all their injuries because uh, there's a team doctor with them on every trip or, or even at the home games. So they write those down and they say, well, a guy may not practice on on Wednesdays. Who cares? He don't practice on Wednesdays. As long as he practices Thursday and Friday, he has a game plan. It's not like we're putting anything new. Our package is what it is. Teams just can't stop it. We might mix up formations and personnel, but here's, here's, our, here's our package. And, and he knows he knows the game plan and knows the play calling. I think he's worth whatever Gronkowski is getting, he's worth that at least. So if you're not paying him equal to or higher, then it, and Drew Brees willing to negotiate or restructure, I'm sorry, restructure his contract, he's telling you, I want my security blanket. I want my tight end. You, you look at all the great tight ends and, and how well the quarterbacks are playing with these guys, um, then you see the success from the quarterback. Drew Brees is not crazy. If you don't pay this guy and you let him go somewhere else, then we're not talking about the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we're probably talking about the New Orleans Saints next year like we talked about Washington Redskins. Yeah. So it, it, it'll do them a service with the emergency of that defense and, and Rob Ryan Rob Ryan building that defense up. It'll do them a service to keep a, a key component to their offense and Jimmy Graham. They oh, already yeah. have Colston and I believe uh, who's the other guy that's... Um, Lance Moore, Kenny Stills. Right. They have good receiving core, but you become... Um, you cannot be, you cannot defend that team when you put Jimmy Graham in the mix. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and this is crazy talk. I mean, they're going to resign him. I mean, in my, there's no way that they can let him go. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. There's no way they they would cut everybody to keep him. I mean, there's no there's no way that, that they'd let him go. I, I don't they're think. Not a fan of that. They, you probably write it when you say that, but I'm not a fan when you do that because you do you do change the dynamics of your football. Team. I understand, and they're not going to cut. They're, I mean. It happens. That's why. That's why I, I I'm speaking on it because it happens, and that's why I said it's funny that you say that because that stuff does happen. You try to keep a guy on your team, but you just lost a, a a piece of your defense, or you lost a piece of what works for your offense because you had to keep Jimmy Graham. There was no way around it because you know ticket sales would be distraught if you don't keep Jimmy Graham because most people come. This is an offensive game. That everything we do is offensively. Fans come to see points on the board. They come to watch that offense score and throw up at least 28 points or more on teams at home. You, you're you not going to be able to get that ticket sales if you let a guy like that go because they're going to see his organization 
not going in the right direction anymore. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, uh, I understand that, that everything's imp- uh, it, see, and, and that's, and that's the issue because you know that in New Orleans, the, ever since before and after they won the Super Bowl, offense was their ticket. Offense was why they got to where they got. And this year, with the emergence of the defense actually being a force to be reckoned with, especially during the first half of the season, now the money starts to go elsewhere. And I mean, Jimmy Graham's got to understand that he'd probably he's got to want to stay in New Orleans, which I'm sure he does, because Drew Brees is he's the most fun quarterback to have. I mean, he's he's going to throw the ball 45 times. You're going to get 10 targets a game when you're healthy. I mean, you can't really say that anywhere else. I, I mean, New England maybe, but I mean. Jimmy Graham is the number one option and will continue to be the number one option in New Orleans. And I truly believe that he will get a lot of money to stay and yeah. end his career That's in New cool. Orleans. Because Drew Brees only has what? I mean, he's 35. He, he's, he's, starting to get cre- he's starting to creep up. I think he's going to be 36 soon, if not already. Like, he's starting to creep. So he's got, what, four years left? I, and, I think a legitimate four years. I'll take those four years and, with Drew Brees. I take him because the offense he's in, as long as their offense stays the same and they keep their power around him, I, I take another four years of Drew Brees. I don't pay that contract out unless there's a significant diminish in his talent and his skill set. Uh, but you do have to groom somebody to start getting them ready, not to have a quarterback controversy. Going back to Jimmy Graham, I would, I don't care if he's on an injury report um, every week. That's just you have to put that up there, and even it even helps that other teams see that he's on an injury report but he's going to play. So you don't know how to prepare for this guy, even when you know he's playing. So preparing for this guy, whether he's going to play this week or next week, or he's out, inactive or active, that's, that benefits New Orleans Saints. But the injury report, a lot of guys uh, professionally are on that injury report every week, and then we know they're not going to practice Wednesday. Professional guys, guys who, guys who go about their business in a professional manner, they don't have to practice Wednesday. Wednesday is... Wednesday is going over what we did on Sunday. Oh, Mondays are watching the film, getting a little shakedown, um, getting the soreness out, getting treatment if you need it. Tuesday at all, professional guys come in Tuesday and get their treatment, but they are on injury report, so it's getting treatment to be able to play on Sunday. Right. Uh, man, we only have about a minute left. Uh, I, I, we got to talk about this um, tomorrow. Uh, we'll be on 10 a.m. Arizona time, 12 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. I do want to talk a little bit more about Jimmy Graham. Maybe some stuff will come out between now and then. I do want to talk about the Yankees signing uh, uh, Tanaka from Japan. A lot of money, a lot of risk. But with them, they would only had to pay $20 million to the club to get him. So, I mean, I think they paid. Uh, Dice K. Matsuzaka's team got a lot of money. I got to look at the numbers on that. But when he came in the league for the Red Sox, the Red Sox paid, paid that team a lot of money. So, uh, the Yankees, although they said they weren't going to spend a lot of money, they spent $438 million on three players in the offseason. Jacoby Ellsbury, Brian McCann, and Tanaka now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Yankees. I do want to talk about it because I'm intrigued by that franchise and the direction that it's taking uh, with George Steinbrenner's sons now taking over and having been for the past few years. So we'll talk about that tomorrow as well as probably some more NFL stuff and NBA. Alex Clancy in studio, Kwame Lasseter on the line. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, Voice America Radio. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.